0: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day.
0: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco, along with your host, James Rapine. Today, we are going to discuss dates. We've got rookie minicamp. We've got off-season activities, the NFL released a schedule, and the Cincinnati Bengals released their inaugural ballot. We'll talk about any surprises, whether they were inclusions or exclusions. And then, as we always do on Thursdays in the off-season, we dive in to the Weekend Mailbag. If you're new to the podcast, we know we've been having some issues specifically with iTunes lately. If you're having issues and you're normally an iTunes listener, You'll have to continue to get your Lockdown Bengals episodes from any other place that you get your podcast. I don't know when the iTunes issue will be fixed, but hopefully soon. We're out there on Apple Podcasts. I think they're okay. Google Podcasts is okay. Odyssey is okay. So plenty of places to find us, but did want to get that disclaimer out about the iTunes issues lately for everybody. Tell your friends. If they're like, where's the Lockdown Bengals episode since April 30th, which I believe is the last episode we have on iTunes, tell them that they can find it elsewhere. If you're new to the podcast, also make sure you follow us because we will have content for you all off season. Before we get to the questions, James, let's discuss these dates. You've got a story up on allbengals.com. You've got the dates from the NFL memo. I'll let you run through it. Let's go.
1: Well, it starts off with number one, Jamar Chase and the rest of the Bengals' rookies a week from Friday, May 14th, get together for rookie minicamp. And this isn't just the Bengals' 10 draft picks. You're talking about all of their college free agent signings, which we went over on yesterday's episode, plus a couple of veterans, Jake, that they, they brought in. And, and it, veterans, because they aren't rookies. But, uh, one Eric dungie former Syracuse quarterback that spent a little time on the Browns practice squad, uh, has gotten an invite to camp as has Jimmy Robinson, who I don't even know if I should call him a veteran. Cause he technically, I guess would be a rookie, but, uh, he's a speedy wide receiver run, ran a four eight 40 yard dash at his pro day last year. Look for him to return and, and be a returner. He's a, a guy who returned plenty of kicks. In college, I don't know about punts. Haven't gotten that far yet down the Jimmy Robinson wormhole, but I I certainly will. But uh, certainly someone that they could try out in both spots there. Uh, As far as the rest of the offseason schedule goes, OTAs, voluntary OTAs, by the way, will take place May 25th to the 27th, June 1st to 3rd, and June 7th through the 10th. And then mandatory minicamp June 15th through the 17th so this is the first time jake the 15th through the 17th where you could see all 90 guys on the bengals roster assuming they're at 90 at that point together on the same field joe burrow would legally be allowed to throw to jamar chase at uh, at uh you know team facilities during team functions so uh, assuming both are there and that's the thing i I think that's kind of the question now and as i was writing this article it's like okay where will joe be uh, May 25th from a health standpoint. What about June 7th? What about June 17th? And, and I think that's kind of where we're at now, uh, post-free agency and after the draft. And then
0: we'll be getting pretty close to mini camp, not mini camp, training camp before yep. before the preseason starts. If we get a preseason this year, which I think we're all assuming right now. Yeah, it'd be fun to see these guys together. We'll see if the Bengals players decide to do what other players around the league have done in saying they're not going to show up for OTAs. We'll see if that happens in Cincinnati or not, especially in the wake of Jawan James injury outside of team facilities in Denver and the ensuing kerfuffle over whether or not he's going to get paid. Going back to Jimmy Robinson real quick, James, some factoids here. Did you know that he's five foot eight, 175 pounds? In a game against Howard in 2018, he returned two kickoffs for touchdowns in one game. So maybe some kickoff return juice in Jimmy Robinson from Bethune Cookman, the Bethune Cookman Wildcats.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's certainly got the speed and they used him at running back. They used him at wide receiver, kind of used him as this offensive weapon type guy. And I love this because you just you get a look at him and you see how he matches up um, against some of your undrafted signees. And is he worth bringing into training camp? And this is a good chance for him to show. Yeah, hell yeah, I'm worth it. Like, let, give me the rock here. And I would try him out regardless if, if he's done it or not. Punt returning. That's kind of the hole here. The Bengals have Brandon Wilson. But from a punt returning standpoint, it's Darius Phillips and who? certainly wasn't addressed in the draft. So that that's a, a spot that I think a lot of these guys might get reps at just to see what they can do.
0: Yeah, I mean, Tyler Boyd could be an option. Uh, I don't know if anyone else on the roster, you don't necessarily want to put a, a main player back there too often. We saw the Bengals selectively deploy Adam Pacman Jones back when he was the team starting corner. Uh, I was looking at their draft picks, and while Tyler Shelvin won't be returning kicks, maybe they could try... Chris Evans back there. He returned one punt in his college career at Michigan, his freshman year. He took it for 15 yards. So I guess it's been a while since he's been asked to do it, but with his athleticism, it kind of seems like something that could be a fit, but you're right. There could be a bit of an open competition there for punt returner. And that is a position battle. We didn't get to on yesterday's episode. Shout out yesterday's episode real quick, where we did talk about a bunch of potential position battles on this roster. And really quick, James, before we get to questions, a rundown of the 2021 nominees for the Ring of Honor. Willie Anderson, by the way, making it known that he wants more than four players in this first class. That said, here's a list of nominees, and I think we got most of these yesterday, James. Ken Anderson, of course. I expect him to be in early. Willie Anderson also should be in early. The probably not even arguably greatest kicker in Bengals history, Jim Breach on the list, James Brooks, Chris Collinsworth, Isaac Curtis. Talk about a a series of, of great offensive weapons there. And then Corey Dillon, you got Boomer, David Fulcher, Chad Johnson, Tim Crumry, Dave Lapham, Max Montoya, Lamar Parrish, Ken Riley, Bob Trumpy, and Reggie Williams. James, does anybody jump out as a surprise inclusion or exclusion? I think these are all names that we would sort of expect only three modern ish players between Corey, Willie and Chad
1: at this stage. I think that's fair because you got some other guys that are obviously going to get in uh, at some point, Andrew Whitworth, right? Uh, obviously AJ green, Gino Atkins, maybe a Carlos Dunlap. So you, you got guys that are going to be in the running eventually, but not now. No, I, I thought this list was pretty fair. And like I said from the beginning, I think it's the two Kents, but the 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 voting process is going to be interesting. It's going to start later this month. It's going to last for about a month. And if you're a season ticket holder or a suite owner, buckle up because you're, uh, the, the future of the Bengals ring of honor is in your hands. Really skews offensive
0: players too. The offensive players versus defensive players have a vast majority on this list. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves as time goes on. And it's kind of a curious little idiosyncrasy of this initial list of nominees. I'm sure we have questions about the Ring of Honor, James. We'll see if we get to them. Because as always, you guys inundated us with questions. We love it. We'll dive into the mailbag
1: coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action with baseball in full swing. And look, I get it. The NFL draft is over. It's okay, because now we got overs and unders for touchdowns for Jamar Chase. You think he's going to be offensive rookie of the year. Heck, maybe you think it's Trevor Lawrence. It doesn't matter. You can bet on whatever you want at betonline.ag. You're going to get the latest news, odds and info for all your sporting needs, not just baseball, not just NFL draft and NFL props but the NBA NHL all of your UFC and MMA action in one spot so go over to betonline.ag now on your laptop or mobile device and be sure to sign up today it's free to sign up and when you go to make that first deposit use promo code locked on you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus it's that simple betonline.ag make that first deposit use promo code locked on for free money a 50% welcome bonus BetOnline your online sports book experts.
0: Nugenics is a number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, and they're offering a complimentary bottle right now to all football fans in America. Even you listening to the lockdown Bengals podcast, you can get a free bottle of Nugenics total tea by texting draft to two, three, one, two, three, one total tea is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel stronger with more energy and endurance. And like the TV ads say, she'll like it too. If you're over 40, don't let age get in the way. Get your edge back. Nugenics is there for you too. Right now, they'll also give you a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever. It's got key ingredients to help you get back into shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT, D-R-A-F-T to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231 for your free bottles. Message and data rates may apply.
1: It's that time of the week, Jake. Weekend mailbag time, and that means we answer your questions from at LockedOnBengals on Twitter. So if you're not following the podcast there, make sure you do and submit your questions weekly because guess what? We can answer them right here on the podcast. And Jake, let's start with Tony Crampo at Bangle underscore dude on Twitter He says, if the Bengals struggle again next season, how long would you give Zach Taylor before pulling the plug? First quarter of the season? Halfway, given the whole season no matter what?
0: I don't think it's the whole season no matter what, but I think the the other ones, it's all conditional, right? Like, if they start 0-6, I think that's a pretty big problem. I think that at that point... Mike Brown is considering just blowing it up and, and pulling the plug right then and there. If they're, if they're, you know, two and four to start the season, he probably gets a whole season because two and four can very easily become six and four, right. Depending on the way the schedule shakes out and how the team is playing. I, I think that halfway through the season, by the time you get there, you might as well give him the full season. I think the most likely scenario, James, is that, that Taylor coaches the whole season unless things go catastrophically poorly. Like I think, you know, one and eight at the bye week or something, like that that sort of thing might be enough. Oh, and six, that'll start to get the gears turning a little bit. Cause I think he is on somewhat thin ice, but I think the most likely outcome is probably the whole season barring catastrophe
1: this will be easier to answer next week after the schedule comes out and guess what well, we're definitely playing the schedule game jake because who doesn't sure. love the schedule game in may but uh yeah i think that there's certainly a scenario for all of these because the bengals if you told me they were four that you know they finished four and 13 with the 17 game schedule it, you know From a talent standpoint, I think it would surprise me some. But at the same time, we're talking about a team that's won six games over the past two years. So how surprised could we really be? At the same time, I could also see them being around the 500 mark. And so I I agree with you. The start is going to be really important because guess what? Hot start, ticket sales. Dead start, no one's buying in. And this new stripes campaign, new uniforms, Burroughs healthy, uh, you know, Zach's finally got his guys. Lou Anarumo's finally got his guys. All, all that matters. And, and that's the first thing, too. I mean, look at the Bengals' history. If, if they start out poorly, Lou Anarumo's going to go before Zach Taylor because Zach Taylor is attached to Joe Burrow. It's going to be harder to say bye to Zach because Joe is in Zach's corner. Now, it doesn't mean they're not going to. And I agree with you. I think the most likely scenario is Zach probably coaches the entire season next year, or this year, excuse me, unless something really goes bad. And that could mean not just record, culture-wise, that could mean a lot of things. Right? Maybe Joe voices his frustration, right, and, and suddenly says, hey, I don't know about Zach. And I'm not saying he's going to say that, but there's so many things that could happen. But uh, if I had to guess... I would say at least half the year because Tony's initial point was if they struggle again next season, I think it would be around the halfway point. Let's see when that bye week falls because if that happens, they have a guy in Darren Simmons that I think they'd be comfortable promoting to interim head coach. You'd still have an offensive mind in Brian Callahan that could come in and and still guide your young quarterback and you'd kind of feel okay about doing that. That said, I, I don't think it's necessarily the most likely scenario, but it's certainly possible.
0: It would have to be like big time struggles is is all I was getting at. Right. Like it can't if it's just like, oh, they're they're three and five, eight games into the season. He's not going to he's not going to get fired at that point. Unless, sure. like you said, James, the, the locker room is totally falling apart. But at this point, if the locker room falls apart, I mean, I think that's pretty far fetched with the way they've overturned this roster. But if if that does happen at this point with his guys, really no holdovers left right? Very, very few holdovers left anyway. That would be entirely on this coaching staff. So if that happens again, maybe there's a problem there. But I certainly think that at this point with their guys in the building and really all the rooms, hopefully we're not hearing that same issue again for the third year in a row. Next question comes from our guy, the Bengalorian. He's got a run pass or boot in the mailbag for us, James. And, And I'm going to take this opportunity to give you a little bit of shit, the Bengalorian, because what do, you, what do you think this is? Hear that podcast growling, man? Come on. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. We will take this question gladly. Run passer boot James, Joe Burrow, comeback player of the year, Jamar Chase, rookie of the year, or Joe Mixon, single season, rushing record? And James, I actually, I want to make this a little bit different than the way Paul and Jay do it on hear that podcast growling. I'm going to say run is like high percentage play third and short you're going to get the first down pass is like lower percentage play even though that's not how it works in the nfl say it's like second and 15 you need to pass the ball and then boot is we got a punt it's fourth and 30
1: okay all right. Well, can I start with boot or do you want me to go in that order?
0: Sure, yeah, go in whatever order you want.
1: All right. Well, I'm booting Joe Mixon breaking the Bengals season, single season rushing record. I just I don't think that's going to happen in this offense. I mean, you really think he's going to outperform what Rudy Johnson did in 2005, 1458 yards? I just don't see that. Rudy Johnson had 337 carries that year. Uh, the, the second most, by the way. Also Rudy Johnson, 361 carries in 2004. At 1,454 yards. So I just – I don't see that because they're going to throw the ball a lot. And so I will run with the fact that Joe Burrow could absolutely be the comeback player of the year. I think that the the weapons are in place. And if the offensive line keeps him upright, then why wouldn't he be able to put up pretty damn good numbers? And he's already a star, which you like when you're talking about potential comeback player of the year type guys – and everyone saw that injury and think about the the entire national narrative about how the Bengals need to protect Joe Burrow. So if he throws for 4,300 yards and leads the Bengals to eight wins and 30 touchdown has 30 touchdown passes and they're just really, really fun to watch, he could certainly be in the running for that. And then I'll pass because I still think there's a, a shot at this basically because of what I just said. Jamar Chase has a, an outside shot at Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's really, 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 really hard to do if you're a receiver, see Justin Jefferson last year. But is there a chance? I think so, and he's probably the best non-quarterback, has the best chance to me. I mean, I guess you could throw one of these running backs in there, but I think Chase has just as good of a chance to have immediate success as Travis Etienne or Najee Harris does. So uh, that, that's that's my order. What about you?
0: I think you throw Kyle Pitts into the mix too. I'm with you on the boot. I uh, I think I'm I'm not going to run anything. I'm taking two passes on second and 15 because I, I don't think either of the other two options are likely enough to happen. Although Joe Burrow could certainly, like if I had to pick one that is more likely, I, I agree it is Joe Burrow winning comeback player of the year. But I, I think that, I mean, I, I guess I don't know who the candidates are. There's Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, You got uh, Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr. There's a bunch of guys out there. Even Joe Mixon, who've hardly played last year, could be a guy.
1: I was going to get you with that one, but it's okay because I got another one because you almost forgot about Joe. Joe could absolutely be a guy. You know who else could? My guy, Adriel Jeremiah Green. Yes, he could. I know he's not coming off of injury, but, man, he – He was playing injured last year, it looked like. And so if he goes for, you know, a thousand yards in Arizona, uh, look out, because I think he could get in the running. A boy can
0: dream. Let's talk a little bit about the Joe Mixon (laughs) rushing record conversation, because it's not a terribly lofty goal to attain for the Bengals. 1458, pretty good, considering like they've had some pretty good running backs in their history. Joe Mixon in 2018 averaged 4.9 yards per carry on 237 carries. Now, if he actually got to 300 carries that year, that sets the record. But that's really the obstacle, isn't it? He, he's not going to get to that carry number because much like me in this run passer boot refusing to, to run, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan aren't going to run the ball a whole lot. Although maybe with Frank Pollock back, I don't know. You never know. I think they are going to want to run the ball more, but then you have Jamar Chase in the fold. I don't know. I still think that one's pretty unlikely, but there's a world where you know he he hits that high level performance that he had with Frank Pollock, and they really ride Joe Mixon a little bit for uh, you know to take the pressure off Joe Burrow. Whatever you want to do, take the pressure off pass blocking on the offensive line, add some effectiveness to to the play action game. There's a world where that happens, but. That's a pretty narrow scenario.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a world where all three could, sure. right? I mean, yeah. if the Bengals' offense reaches their just max out full potential, then yeah, if they're scoring like crazy, then you, you could absolutely see Mixon breaking it and uh, teams unable to keep eight in the box and still Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd having big years, which would obviously lead to Burrow having a big year. Speaking of uh, big seasons, it is kind of surprising. You mentioned like running backs and 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 Rudy Johnson. It's surprising that Corey Dillon isn't first on that list, to be honest with you. And I think that's a testament to the bad offenses he was on. Not bad offensive lines, but bad offenses he was on during his time with the Bengals. We have a Corey Dillon question coming up next. We talk about it all the time here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. Summer is almost here. We almost made it. And look, you got a vacation scheduled. You want to look a little better. You're trying to shed a little bit of that quarantine weight, or maybe you're trying to bulk up. Regardless, Built Bar is perfect for you, whether it's a midday snack, a little meal replacement action, or just post-workout protein. The best thing about Built Bar isn't all of their amazing flavors or the fact that every bar is covered in 100% chocolate. It's the macros, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. You got to check them all out right now in one spot, builtbar.com. And if you're like me and you don't know what to get mom for Mother's Day, guess what? Send her some Built Bars. Say they're from the Locked on Bengals podcast because, look, we're right about these bars. If you haven't tried them, you need to. So go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com.
0: You teased it before the break, James. We've got a Corey Dillon question here from Jack at Alpaca Deathtrap. Are there any Ring of Honor nominees that surprise you? We kind of answered this at the top of the show, James, but Jack was surprised that Corey Dillon made the list, perhaps after the less-than-perfect way Corey Dillon's time in Cincinnati came to a close.
1: I get it, look, but endings are messy. AJ Green's ending wasn't as ugly as Corey Dillon's, but it wasn't awesome. Carlos Dunlap's wasn't awesome, certainly awkward. Even Geno Atkins's, I, you know, if he doesn't come back, I mean, there was some friction there last year, right? That that's kind of what happens. And so, I don't blame Corey Dillon, and I don't think the Bengals should either, because to me, he's the greatest running back in franchise history, and he his numbers could have been, like I said, insane on any normal team like if he had came into the league in 04 and got to play with Carson for six seasons and Chad and TJ the numbers would be greater he's he's much better from a running back standpoint than Rudy Johnson but Rudy Johnson's the the Bengals all-time leader in rushing yards for a reason so yeah I I think he should be in uh, at some point and I'm not surprised to see him on the list what about you Jake were you surprised
0: I think the only thing that's really surprising about it to me is that he only really played seven years in Cincinnati, and I I know he only had a 10-year career. I was thinking about other guys from that same era, the 97 to you know 2003-ish era, and like Takiyo Spikes, not on the list. He only played five years in Cincinnati from 1998 to 2002, but when I think of Corey Dillon and I think of other really good players from his time in Cincinnati, obviously there's Willie Anderson, and he's on the list. And they overlapped, but I also think of takio and and to a lesser extent, you know, Brian Simmons. I don't know if Brian Simmons is quite on that level of you know any ring of honor consideration. He was a really good player, but takio Spikes didn't make the list. And, and maybe that's the, the cutoff. Maybe it's like you know, you, you spend X percent of your career with the team, and Corey Dillon did enough. I mean, he also set a record with the team. So so that's another big factor, I think, in Corey's favor. He he set an NFL record when the Bengals were very, very bad. And that's a very memorable moment for a lot of people. So maybe that played part of it, too. But I, I wouldn't say I'm particularly surprised. Uh, You know, I don't know that he'll be a first ballot guy, like you said, James. But he did some special things in Cincinnati. And, you know, maybe, maybe this is a good sign that bygones are bygones a little bit. And,
1: and we can all move forward. Next question comes from Chad Blackburn at Blackburn22c on Twitter. He says, The dust has settled. Lawson and Jackson, as in Carl Lawson and William Jackson, both gone. Have the Bengals done enough to compensate for their losses on defense?
0: I think that they have actually, James. And I would have preferred that they had added these pass rushers, these defensive linemen to an offensive line that included Carl Lawson before the offseason started. But Hendrickson... Well, he, he didn't play as many snaps, he probably won't be on the field as much as Lawson. He, he's still got a ton of energy, a high motor. He's a, he's a good pass rusher, even if he's not, in my estimation, as good of a pass rusher as Lawson. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. And the Bengals front office seems to think he's ascending. I'll give him a chance to prove that he's ascending this year. And then they add two edge rushers in the draft and, and an interior defensive lineman. And Wyatt Hubert, actually, who I forgot about. So they they add four guys to the defensive line to go along with Trey Hendrickson. They bring back Mike Daniels. I I, I don't think the door is closed necessarily on Gino coming back, even if I don't think it's likely. But we looked at this yesterday, and I feel like the depth is there now. So I, I think that they did do enough on the defensive line. And then at corner, they sunk resources there, man. That You got Awuzie, you got Hilton, you got Eli Apple. Their top five this year you know, is, is very comparable to their top five last year with Trey Waynes and Darius Phillips making up the other two. I feel like that depth is okay. But again, if they get injured at corner like they did last year, you're looking at the same kind of guys beyond that point because it's really hard to go more than five deep at any position in the
1: NFL. And that's the thing. It, it, let, let's tie this back to the, the Zach Taylor, Lou Anarumo future question. If they haven't done enough, then at some point it's the coaching because they've invested so many resources into this defense. And I get it. William Jackson the third. they didn't want to essentially overpay in their mind for him, especially after bringing on Trey Waynes. Uh, okay, fine. And then Trey Hendrickson, they like him a little bit more from a versatility standpoint Than a Carl Lawson and they feel like Joseph Asai can help make up for that. So we'll see a lot of moves, a lot of moving parts, like you just said. And to me, it's going to come down to the coaching. So spotlight on Lou, it's time to perform. Next question comes
0: from Ryan Campbell at the underscore Cambo on Twitter. Kind of a similar question. How do you feel about the offensive line after the draft and free agency? Did they do enough? Or are you still concerned about the Bengals protecting Joe Burrow?
1: I would be concerned even if they signed one of these veterans that we talked about. Like, uh, you know, even if they had gone out and gotten a Trent Williams in free agency and instead of Riley Reef, it's Trent Williams. I'd still be concerned. If they had drafted Penny Sewell instead of Jamar Chase and their entire draft was the same, I'd still be concerned because the past five years they've struggled to keep their quarterback upright. That being said, I look at the roster and the offensive line room in general, and it's certainly better, absolutely better. Let's just throw the fact that they uh, removed an incompetent coach and at least have an average offensive line coach maybe better in Frank Pollock. Let's just for, forget that for a second and look at it because Bobby Hart never should have signed or gotten a three-year extension like he did with this team and a few years ago. And the fact that he was the, the right tackle – I get it. They like the smarts. They like his instincts. They like that. Blah, 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 blah. Riley Reef is an upgrade. He just is. Um, I, I think that Jackson Carmen is going to be better than their league worst guard play that they had last year, even though some are down on that pick. Quentin Spain and Xavier Suofila are going to battle it out for one of the guard spots. And guess what? The guy that loses that battle is suddenly on your bench and is better than what you had coming off it, it, the bench and playing guard in Billy Price last year in week one, right? So the depth has increased and sure are you still does jonas need to stay healthy are you wondering about trey hopkins and in his health after tearing his acl in week 17 will billy price need to start at center will they go out and sign a veteran of course you know you, you can't get enough help i would totally be open to adding another veteran or two but they're certainly better and it's okay to be concerned because for the past half decade the bengals offensive line has been below average
0: I think they threw a lot of resources at it, James, but I am definitely still concerned because while it does look better on paper, if if you lose a couple of guys, you're right back in the same situation you were last year, And I guess that was always the case. But there's there's questions at really every position of this offensive line. And the range of outcomes is significant. A left tackle, Jonah Williams is probably still the best best player on this offensive line. But he needs to stay healthy. So there's your question at left tackle, left guard, Xavier Suafilo and Quentin Spain both looked competent, but Quentin Spain had his share of of mishaps as well. And so what what version of Quentin Spain are we getting? That that's a big question there. And for Suafilo, you know he had an injury last year too, and he's not been a great full-time starter in the NFL. He could be average. But you really don't know what you're getting out of those two guys. You're hoping the competition breeds something good. So the, the, the range of outcomes so far is Jonah plays 16 games and he's good or Jonah gets hurt. At left guard, you, there's, there's you know below average to above average as your range of outcomes at left guard. At center, if Trey Hopkins plays, great. You're probably average. If not, big question marks, right? Billy Price, Trey Hill. Who knows? Both of those guys are big. Who knows? I I would not have super high expectations, but you never know. So again, Trey Hopkins healthy. You're probably feeling pretty good, at least average there. Right guard, Jackson Carmen Position transition, right? But we're expecting him to come in and and hit the ground running. He looks like a guard when he plays tackle. I, I have a lot of confidence there, but still questions, right? Rookie, changing positions, never played guard in games at Clemson, so questions, right? And, and and then you go to the backups there, if it's Suofilo or if it's Quentin Spain, yeah, those are fine backups, but as soon as they're starters, they're not backups anymore. So you're hoping that, that Carmen hits the ground running and he's an average guard plus at the start. And then Riley Reef, even here there are questions, James, because he's kind of coming off a career year a little bit, and I don't mean to poo-poo this. I do think he's a better player than Bobby Hart, certainly, but you go back just a couple years, And his pass protection numbers look kind of similar to Bobby Hart's most recent year. There are still some very significant differences here. I think he's going to have fewer pre-snap penalties. I think he's going to have fewer blown blown protections altogether. I think he's going to be a better communicator. I think he's a better player. But... How, you know, will he reprise his career best year? Will there be a little bit of regression? So, this is where I'm still concerned. And, like you said, James, even if they sign Joe Tooney and draft Penny Sewell, there's still some of these questions because they're rookies, because guys get hurt, because this, because that. But when we start to talk about, yeah, on paper, it looks better. Well, I'm doing the thing. I'm being a downer a little bit here, I guess, and pointing out that there's another way this could go. And we need to kind of understand that. It's going to probably be somewhere in the middle at each of these positions where, you know, a lot can happen within those ranges.
1: And I think if it is, you know, the the middle or even, you know, they, they do get dinged up. They're still just better <laughs> like they're compared to last year. Like I'm confident in saying Quentin Spain is not going to have to play tackle for them and make a start or they're, they're not going to have to add a, a veteran mid year. That's, that's suddenly starting at right tackle 10 days into his Bengals career, which is what happened with Spain. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I guess you could always end up having that happen, but I I think that that's unlikely. And and
0: one big difference this year as well, James, to, to your point here is we shouldn't have COVID issues this year. and And that was something else that added a lot of uncertainty, a lot of turnover, a lot of we need somebody to play right now issues. And if the NFL gets that figured out as the United States is on the trajectory to do so, that removes one big issue that
1: all teams had last year. Next question comes from nobody Spartan on Twitter. If before the draft, I gave you the option of Tevin Jenkins or the package of Jackson, Carmen, Tyler Shelvin and Deontay Smith, which one would you have picked?
0: It's tough to do this. Uh, with with hindsight being what it is and what we've learned since the draft, but before the mm-hmm. draft, I would have picked Tevin Jenkins because before sure. the draft, you were offering me a first round player or by by my by my uh, opinion or or what I thought it was. This is like a third round guy, a fourth round guy, and a fifth round guy, maybe sixth round guy, and Tyler Shelvin just because of of what I thought would happen to his draft stock. Um, being that he's a nose tackle, being that he didn't play, being that he had weight issues. uh, The Bengals got him probably in the middle of where his range was. So before the draft, I thought Tevin Jenkins was a surefire first-round guy, and you're offering me a first-rounder or a third, fourth, and fifth. Um, After the draft, though, what we learned even during the draft, Tevin Jenkins' fall surprised me a little bit less. Uh, So it, it does change a little bit. Uh, especially when you start to consider the upside of the Carmen and Deontay Smith combination. But before the draft, I hadn't really considered these guys as, as significant options for the
1: Bengals. So if I'm being honest, that's where I'm at. It's Jenkins. Cause we paid attention to Jenkins. And honestly, like I knew who Deontay Smith was. I wasn't doing a ton of research on him. I knew he had some impressive reps at the senior bowl and battled injury and then came back and was able to put in a good week of practice there. I knew Tyler Shelvin was, but we weren't really talking about nose tackle. And so this is really a tough question to answer because Jackson Carmen is a guy that we just assume was in the, the third round. And that's why, honestly, Spartan, this is what's crazy. You mentioned the COVID issues last year it impacted the draft more this year because there was no combine. There was no think tank. Teams were much different on Jackson-Carmen than I think the consensus was. And so I'll tell you this, the Bengals easily, easily have, like they have Carmen ahead of Jenkins, period, without these other guys mixed in. It's just how it is. So yeah, I would have taken Jenkins. We also talked about him more and we're more familiar with him. And to just give it another example here, there were a lot of people, that would have taken Josh Jones the guard in 2020 with the 33rd overall pick instead of T Higgins. Right, and it was kind of a Denzel Mims or Josh Jones and it ended up being T Higgins and obviously the Bengals got it right, but at the time the consensus was much different than what the Bengals thought in uh you know inside Paul Brown Stadium and in their offices. And so yeah, before the draft no doubt it's Jenkins. That doesn't mean the Bengals necessarily made the wrong move. We'll uh we'll get more answers starting With rookie minicamp, but obviously starting in September when the season starts.
0: Yeah, I mean, before the draft, we're probably more wrong than we are after the draft. But it's a fair question because a lot of times you do look at things once they're members of the team with some rose-colored, rose-tinted glasses. Let's go to Garrett Frey here, James, at Garrett Frey 31. Who will be the Bengals' leading receiver in 2021?
1: Receptions, Tyler Boyd. Yards and touchdowns, Jamar Chase, but T. Higgins is going to be right there. I, I think it's I think it's going to be close, and I think all three of these guys are, are just going to have it, – it's almost going to be like how LSU was in 2019 where some days it's Chase, and he has 150 yards and three touchdowns, and one day it's Tyler Boyd, and he has 13 receptions like Justin Jefferson had in the slot and a couple of scores. And then, yeah, if you decide to double Chase, well, then T. Higgins is going to have – have some fun and put up big numbers. So pick your poison, but that would probably be my guess is T Higgins is probably a runner up in a lot of categories. Chase leads in touchdowns and, and yards and then Boyd leads in receptions.
0: I don't know if I think Chase is going to be the touchdown leader or not, but I think probably the yardage leader. I could get behind that one. I'm I'm not sure how they plan to use Chase in the red zone yet. I didn't see there's not a ton of that on his tape. He can win in the red zone. He did win in the red zone. It's just not littered throughout his time at LSU. Maybe we would have seen more of that this year. Maybe T. Higgins is a red zone guy. And and they use Chase as the deep guy. And I do think that Tyler Boyd probably wins a reception. So it probably goes Boyd, Higgins, Chase maybe for receptions. And then the opposite order for yards. and And then I don't really know about touchdowns. I'm not sure where I'm at there yet. We'll have to see. Cuz the other thing you got to remember is, you know, T and Jamar are both really young players, but but T's been in the league for a year. And so he's he's adapted to that speed of the game and while while we all think Jamar's going to hit the ra- ground running and be really good right away, T Higgins does have a year in the NFL of
1: experience on Jamar Chase. And he could be facing more single coverage, right if the if yeah. it's If it's that way, like if Chase does, like if Chase is averaging 18 yards a catch, let's just say, let's throw that out there, right? Then guess what? He's going to get a little more attention, which is going to make life easier on T. Here's what I know. This is a fun problem to talk about. And I bet Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and and Joe Burrow uh, would love, love to have this. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe all three of these guys are posting huge numbers, which certainly could happen. I think that's realistic.
0: And I will say one other thing about T Higgins. He was like two missed deep passes in that Washington game away from averaging like 15 yards per catch and going over a thousand yards, the injury notwithstanding and not playing with Joe Burrow, notwithstanding Joe Burrow missed him twice in that Washington game on what should have been deep touchdowns that that could have had his stat line a lot closer to 69 yards, a thousand or 69 catches, a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. So that the T Higgins was this close. To that being his rookie line. And and that I think is a lot more impressive than, you know, nine oh eight six, even though those numbers are pretty impressive given that he missed games in and of itself.
1: Final question of the mailbag comes from Ben Nicholas. Jake, are you concerned for Josh Tupau making the team after we signed and drafted so many defensive linemen, not to mention the bad luck of number sixty eight?
0: That last bit's concerning, man. Why you got to put that out in the universe, man? Don't bring that into my don't bring that into my world. Josh Tupau is going to make the team and he's going to continue to be the GOAT he's always been. Uh, but realistically, I don't know. There's going to be a competition. We talked about it yesterday. He's going to be part of the competition. And I hope that he has been putting in work in his opt-out year and comes in ready to play because I really like him as a player. He's a lot of fun. But I do appreciate the Josh Tupow love, the Josh Tupow question here because you guys know how much I like him as a player. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're back next week. We'll have the schedules coming out really soon here. And as James said, we'll play the schedule game and we'll have much more for you next week. Until then, Bengals fans, hootay, and have a good one.